Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? Fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, not go out and hand-check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gonna let me for my ambition. Welcome on into episode 97 today on Saturday, March 19th, 2016, day three, day one of round two of the NCAA tournament for 2016, but day three overall, definitely, definitely not as exciting as the first two days even at all. Uh, it was a, uh, it was a very, very, very uh, solemn, basic day today in the world of college basketball, definitely an intense night. In the world of the NBA, a couple of games definitely worth talking about. We will talk about them a little bit today. Not a long show. Don't expect it to go as long as the first two days did because a lot of college basketball was not as, uh, as in-depth as it was uh, today, as it was the last, obviously, the last 48 hours. As it was, or before, you know, prior to today's games, it was not as bad as it was. We will have Jonathan back on here, uh, Jonathan Wagner, who covers the Colonial Athletic Association Conference in college basketball, and he covers the New York Knicks. He's back here on with the show, and obviously we have Andrew Norris on. But Andrew Norris, how you doing, Andrew? What's up, buddy? What is going on, Christopher? How are you after that um, that win that I think made you go insane for about ten minutes on yes. Twitter? Uh, oh, I did. I was yeah, I just I did. to let you know I was embarrassed to be talking to you. You made a complete fool out of yourself, and I couldn't have loved it any more than I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I did go crazy. I will not deny that. I was illogical. I was incoherent. My, as you can tell, my voice is a little hoarse right now. It's squeaking as I speak. Uh, it was, uh, I was beyond excited. And for those of you that don't know, the Golden State Warriors, for those of you really following in for the recap of day three of the NCAA tournament, the Spurs won 87 to 79, uh, handing the Golden State Warriors their seventh loss of the season. I am now officially brothers with Andrew Norris in the Golden State Warrior loss category because the Detroit Pistons did the same thing in a more emphatic fashion earlier this season uh, as his Pistons destroyed the Warriors in Detroit earlier this year. Uh, Jonathan Wagner is on the line with us, and he will help us recap today's games in college basketball as it mostly went chalk. Jonathan, how are you doing, buddy? Pretty good. Um, I can't say I'm in the same category because the Knicks just didn't do anything against the Warriors in two meetings this year. So, so forget that. <laughs> well, they did. They did almost beat the Spurs though. So I got to get you know on the road in San Antonio, very close. But uh, that was a long time ago, and they were still playing decently. 
Yeah, I was absolutely when Chris back in the day when Chris Stapps Porzingis was a rookie of the year candidate, hmm. not anymore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as and now, now instead down. today you have uh, Carmelo uh, saying he had migraines in the first quarter today. Oh, Interesting that that coincided with the day with the same game that the Knicks clinched their third straight losing season tonight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think he's had a touch of that over the last three years, maybe you know. Yeah, right. It's just an absolute thing. Well, we're, we're going to recap the the world of college basketball for your first. It was not, like I said, not as crazy as yesterday, but we're here to recap it for you. Kevin Hart is in the building. Get it going. All right, all right, all right. You're going to learn today. We're going chronological order, obviously. Miami and Wichita State. This was actually a very fascinating game from the start. Miami started off really hot, and Wichita State could not find uh, their ability to hit the rim, hit the rim at all. But to their credit, in the second half, Wichita State found a way to get back into this ball game, kept it close late. It, it turned into a very, very good game until I'd say about the final uh, five, three minutes of the ball game, and then Miami kind of took it away again and got it done, winning 65-57. Moving on to the Sweet 16, Miami of Florida getting it done over Wichita State, where I thought Wichita State would do pretty well. I didn't think they'd win today, but I, I know Andrew thought they'd do well. What was your take? What was your take in this one, Jonathan, watching this Miami team? get out to such a hot start in the first game of the second round. Yeah, no, I saw a few comments there on Twitter at, at the start of the game, and um, you know, a lot of people were blaming this on fatigue with the, with the Shockers, which I, I don't necessarily buy. I mean, these kids are young. They're used to playing AAU ball, AAU ball you know, all day a lot of times before they get to college. It's not like they're in the NBA where they're you know, a little older. And, you know, we've seen other teams uh, get off – to, to, to great runs uh, from the first four. VCU obviously went from the first four to the final four in 2011. 2013, LaSalle went from the first four to the Sweet 16. Tennessee did it uh, the following year, first four to the Sweet 16. So I don't necessarily buy that. I think they just they came out and just couldn't execute. I, I think you give Miami's defense a lot of credit for that. Wichita State started one for 14 from the field. Miami started 12 for 15, you know, two ends of the spectrum there, and they were up 27 to 6. And it was kind of a common theme. You know, we saw Yale, we'll get into the other games later, but we, we saw it throughout the other games yeah. too where teams, you know, made runs and came back, but they just started slow. And you can't do that in these games, especially when you're the underdog. You know, you're the 11 seed like Wichita State trying to beat a 3 seed like Miami is a good team. Um, you know, you can start slow, make it maybe 19-10 and then make a run, something like that. You can't let it get out of hand. You can't let it get to the point where it's 27-6. You're just playing uphill. Now, they did take the lead in the second half, but you expend so much energy doing that that yeah. you can't close the yeah. game. And that's, I think that's exactly what happened. Angel Rodriguez, too, give him credit, man. He, yeah. he, he really took over down the stretch. He didn't have a great second half until late in the game after a good first half. Um, but overall, I mean, he was just superb down the stretch, and it was just too much for Wichita State, and uh, Miami moves on. And, uh, yeah, Andrew, go ahead. Yeah, and if, if you expect to upset a team – that you let shoot 55% from the field and 58% from three agreement. Um, yeah. the, the Shockers defense is fantastic, um, but the way they came out in the beginning of this game was, was unacceptable, especially for a team led by two future NBA players, two seniors, and Fred Van Vliet and Ron Baker. Um, they, they, combined, they combined to go 8 for 24, shoot 33% from the field, 4 for 13 from three. No, none of that, none of that is what you see in any kind of upset. Um, the score ended up being kind of what it should be, but that's only because Wichita State really buckled down and made a a run where Miami almost 
looked like they just kind of thought they had it in the bag and just played bad. But when they really turned it back on, they just showed they're a better team than Wichita State. Wichita State wasn't there to play today. And and like you said, man, Rodriguez, 9 for 11 from the field, 28 points. That is a tournament-worthy, whiteboard-worthy yes. performance right there, okay? Absolutely. That is what you need to win a championship. That is what you need to get to an Elite Eight, to a Final Four. And and, and he he did it the right. Extremely disappointed, like I said, in the play of the two seniors. Um, But, you know, it's a three versus an 11 seed, in in all honesty. Of course, this is March, but the seeds still do matter. They still do show who the better team is, and, and Miami showed why they deserve that three seed today. Absolutely, and it was one of those things where, you know, we saw, like you said, the, the, the team in Miami, the better team came out and won today, again, winning 65-57, moving on to the Sweet 16, uh, playing for Thursday-Friday games. Duke-Yale, another interesting game. Obviously, Yale played very tough. Look, give Yale a lot of credit and how they played in the first round over Baylor. They they eked it out. They got it done. Granted, the refs kind of gave them a couple of, couple of calls, late in that one where they stayed in it. And in this game, they just they just flat out played the best basketball they possibly could, and it just wasn't enough. Duke was just more talented, the better team. They, they put together a really good game plan to beat, uh, to beat that, that fast, fantastic score from Yale. Um, they, 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 did, they did enough. They did enough to win this game. Yale really kept it close late. It was one of those games where you're coming down the wire. I had to turn it on at one point. I was like, oh, my God, Yale could beat Duke here. Yale could do it. And it got close. But Duke eventually just pulled away with their talent and found a way to get it done. What do you see from this one, Jonathan, and then Andrew feel free to follow up? Yeah, it was kind of interesting with the runs early. I mean, uh, Yale was up 13-12 in the beginning. And then Duke just went on an a insane run, a 34-6 run from there. and then So they had a 46-19 lead uh, just before halftime. And then after being up 46-19, though, Yale almost reversed that. They went on a 42 to 19 yeah. run and got within four. So they almost completely reversed that, which you would never have thought possible at 46-19. So give them credit for hanging tough and fighting back. Um, but I, I just never really got the feeling that they were ever going to yeah. come back all the way against Duke. I figured Duke would make some plays, and they did down the stretch. We saw that from from a number of teams today, where even if the other team came back, uh, the better team made the plays they had to make down the stretch. And Grayson Allen was was tremendous. Did everything he had to do today. 29 points, 10 of 15. If you're going to let him shoot like that, you have pretty much no shot if you're Yale. He was 5 of 7 from 3. Um, Duke made 8. They were cold. They cooled off later in the second half from 3, but they made 8 of their first 10 threes in the first half. And that's pretty much yeah. what built that big lead for Duke and when they went on that big run. Um, again, give you all credit. You know, they could have easily folded it up and said, hey, look, we won our one game as a 12 seed over, over Baylor. And uh, we see it all the time in the tournament. We kind of saw it from Little Rock a little today. We'll get to that later. But, um, yeah. you know, a lot of teams, they get that one upset win. In the second game, they face a much better team. And they're like, well, look, we, you know, we gave it a shot, but, you know, it just wasn't our day. And they and just kind of just kind of fold and, and go away quietly. Yell didn't do that today. You know, they had every reason to, you know, because they already, like, like I said, they had never won a tournament game before, and they got their one win. So, you know, they already had that already. The rest was just gravy if, at, at that point. Um, in the tournament for them, and down 46-19, they could easily just said, "All right, we got our one win. We'll go home." You know, Duke is a better team today, and for them to come all the way back and make it a four-point game and and actually be within yeah. striking distance, even though you never got the feeling Duke would win, was was pretty good on their part, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. Sherrod played a great game for them, 10 of 17 from the field, uh, but you know, Yale just couldn't get it done. You know, Mason, I think you know uh, you had mentioned. Uh, 
uh, Simo, uh, on yes. I think on Thursday yes. night show after that first round, after that win over Baylor, uh, what a great game he had. He was held to just eight points, uh, 0 5 from three, two of 12 yeah. overall. So that really hurt Yale today. Yeah, I'm going to keep my my analysis on the game pretty short because I want to get into something else that I think arose a lot of conversations from this game. Uh, Duke just went to sleep to start the second half. When it got close, they turned it back on. It's going to yeah, happen. Much. College. The college kids are up 23 points at the half if they're not going to keep their focus. I mean, I think that I, I think that was obvious when you saw Duke step back on the gas pedal. I think you really, really understood that. And when you get 29 from Allen and 25 from Ingram, you, you're not right. going to lose. Right. The, the conversation that I think came up a lot was, is Brandon Ingram the next Kevin Durant? And I just want to say that is one of the most ridiculous statements I've ever right. heard. And, and, and I yeah. really think – people are underestimating how damn good Texas Kevin Durant was. I mean, this guy averaged 26 oh points a game and yeah. 11 rebounds compared to Brandon insane. Ingram, who's averaging 17 points a game and, and seven rebounds. Don't, uh, yeah. Kevin Durant might already be the third best small forward of all time, okay? I, I think that might be pushing right. it, but he's not making compensation for that. What was that? No, yeah. No, I was going to say, I mean, you, you bring it up. I mean, this is, this is the thing that people, I think, today, or at least young kids today when they watch the NBA who aren't old enough to remember, but Kevin Durant that one year at Texas, it was one of those things where it was like, how come this guy's not in the league now? Kind of like Ben Simmons. How is this guy not in the league now? Why, why, is, why is he here? This, this guy is an alien. Like, I remember watching Kevin Durant at Texas, and I was like, this isn't fair. Like, this guy is – this guy is the, at the time, I was saying he was the Dirk Nowitzki of college basketball because Dirk at that time in his career in 06 was unguardable. He was unguardable uh, in the mid-range game, and Kevin Durant had a lot, a lot of similarities to him when it came to his ability to just shoot the basketball. He was unguardable. And with his length, his, his, his agility, all the stuff, he was still obviously immature as a basketball player, but when it came to his pure athleticism, or not athleticism, but his pure lengthiness, his just freakish body build, you couldn't stop him at Texas. And so for people to compare anyone to Kevin Durant, he's his own player. And what I think, honestly, is, is Ingram, Brandon Ingram is his own player. He's, he's going to be his own player. He's going to be his own guy coming out of college, just like Kevin Durant was. But, yeah, to compare anyone to Kevin Durant out of college is, uh, is frankly, laughable because that guy was uh, – that guy, I, honestly, every time I saw him play, I was like I, – I just kept thinking, why is he here? He's – He's not supposed to be here. He's supposed to be in the NBA right now. This is a joke. Like, I, all these other guys currently, you know, Ben Simmons may be, the, may be the exception, but all these guys currently, you know, Jabari Parker, I kind of had the same thought process, you know, why is he here? But majority of these other guys, I'm like, look, like, they're, they're here for a reason because they're not, first of all, the, the, the NBA requires them, but mostly because they're just too immature and they're not big enough. They're not, they're not ready for the NBA yet. And so – uh, Brandon Ingram coming in, well, I didn't think he was an automatic. The only guy I thought automatically coming into the end of the, into the college basketball year was was uh, was uh, Ben Simmons. But outside of that, everyone else kind of you know fed into the, to the trap of college basketball. And and here's the thing, I do think Brandon Ingram is going to be a great pro. I think he's going to be an All Star right, right. player. Yeah. Uh, but but these are kind of the these are kind of the three things that get thrown around way too much. Okay, any tall. African American basketball player, like abnormally tall, like six ten, who can shoot a three, is going to start getting compared to Kevin Durant. Any foreign power forward who can shoot a three automatically gets Dirk Nowitzki, and any six right. six shooting guard who can shoot the three automatically gets mm-hmm. compared to Ray Allen. And it's it, it's 
stupid and annoying. So <laughs> I just I I have nowhere to go with what I'm saying right now, but I just want to get it off my chest that if you say that, I hate you. <laughs> yeah. no, what's your take on that, John? Well, I mean, if you guys remember the the, the comparison between not comparison, but but the debate over who should go number one. Uh, to me, it was never a debate. Would you remember if you remember Greg Oden or Kevin Durant? Who should yeah. go number one? Yeah. And now, granted, look, Durant, Oden had a lot of injuries and that derailed him a lot. But I, even if he was healthy the whole time, I mean, to me, that was never a debate. I used to, I had a friend that, that debated me with that a lot about that. And uh, to me, it was always Durant was always going to be a superstar in, in the NBA, and he was always a, a great player in college. For anyone to compare Ingram. To that, I mean, I I, I actually was surprised to hear that because I hadn't heard it. But uh, if, if that's what people are saying, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, you, the, co- the comparisons get thrown around easily. Like 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 Simo just said, you know, with Dirk, you know, they they did that with uh, with with Przingis too, even here in New York. And uh, and you know, you gotta let these guys develop. You gotta let them play, even when they're in the NBA, um, let alone in college. And uh, to me, you know, it, to make comparisons like that and throw them around so loosely, so easily, it's just a lot, most times it doesn't work, <laughs> you know. Uh, Harold Miner was always supposed to be Baby Jordan. Well, how'd that work out, you know? So let things no. play out a little right. bit sometimes, you know. And the thing is, is with uh, you bring up the point, you know, the loose, the loose comparisons. Well, you know, it's funny because you brought up the whole, you know, Greg Oden went over over Kevin Durant. And what's interesting is back then social media wasn't as I would. I'll just say this: journalism is still valuable. It always will be valuable from the standpoint of obviously spreading worthy news and incredible news. Uh, but from the standpoint of it, you know, obviously news flying so quickly today compared to 10 years ago when Durant got drafted, um, Durant kind of had the same thing that Ben Simmons is getting right now. Oh, he kind of quit on his team, or not quit, but he kind of was lackadaisical. He was kind of this, he kind of that. And so then people started looking at Greg Oden because the big man phenomenon was still going on of, oh, you get a big man, you're going to dominate in the NBA, obviously. And then everyone looked at Greg Oden and was like, well, he's the next big one, so you got to take him because if you don't, he turns into the next big one, then you regret it. So, but I agree with you. I mean, it's the same thing. You know, you can't pass up on Ben Simmons. You could not pass up on, on, on Kevin Durant. Uh, and, and Brandon Ingram is not a guy where you can just say, oh, I'll pass up on him. Yeah, he's a top five pick, no debate. He's going to be picked in the top five. There's no one I, – I don't think that way you'd pick above him in the top five. But I don't – considering Ben Simmons is there, he, he's not an automatic number one pick. And, and if the media hypes him up to be that way – well, then great, because you're going to see a guy like Ben Simmons go to a really a better team. The higher up you go in the draft, you're going to a better team. And so if Ben Simmons goes to that Nets pick that's going to Boston, you're going to see Ben Simmons go to Boston, and Boston's going to be in a championship run for the next five years. That's just what's going to happen uh, in the NBA. And so, uh, you know, for people to, to hype up and say that Ben Simmons is that, or like you said, Brandon Ingram comparing him to a guy like Kevin Durant, it's a, basically just asinine and ridiculous for the most part. Uh, uh, anything else you want to say, Andrew, before we move well, on to these comparisons? In the, uh, Jonathan, go ahead. I can hear you. I was just going to say, you know, you know what was also short-sighted, though, about that comparison? Well, not the comparison, but the, about about the debate, you know, to, to choose uh, Odin over Durant, too. Say Odin turned out to be the player that a lot of people who were saying he should be picked over Durant, say he turned out to right. be the player that people thought he should be, even still – and, you know, he was healthy and didn't have the injury problems, and he turned out to be better than even people thought. Even still, that's not where the game was headed. So it was kind of short-sighted because no. the, the game's not about big guys anymore. The game's about about a guy like Durant who can who can either either play on their perimeter or put the ball on the floor at his size. And you know, 
it's not about a guy like Odin. So, I mean, to, the way it worked out for Odin with the injuries is unfortunate for him, and that made it even more of a no-brainer. But suppose he had been a star in the league. Even still, that was short-sighted for people to argue that because the league was headed toward Durant's style of play more than it was Odin's. Yeah, but at the same time, the the guy who they wanted Odin to be was Shaq, and I, I think yeah, that, I think it's going to happen. <laughs> if if Shaq was in today's NBA, he'd still be going for championships. He would. I mean, he would. But but yeah, he was, I, I never I, thought I, he was at that level, you know. No, and neither do I. But you, I'm just throwing out scenarios. So, right. right yeah, yeah. I, absolutely. 100%. But I'm just saying, if he did get to that point of where he's going for 30 and, like, and Shaq had the most dominant three-year playoff run in the history of basketball, okay? But, like, yes. even just, just regular season Shaq and not cyborg Shaq, that guy's going for championships. But right, this is all kind of a pointless argument. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's get back to the recap of the games. I, I think it's not hard to debate that the best game in college basketball today and unfortunately, like uh, like uh, Jonathan said, uh, you know, over the last couple of shows, is we've had a, we had a couple of matchups. We have a couple of matchups here in the second round, and especially tomorrow, uh, for for that sake. Uh, but today we had we had a matchup today where it was like, look, this could have been a this could have been a Final Four. This could have been an Elite Eight matchup, and I don't think anyone would have been a bit upset with it. With Indiana and Kentucky was clearly game of the day. I mean, this was a game where I tuned into the second half, and I was very glad I did. It was one of those games where. Indiana back and forth kept answering. Kentucky found ways to keep it close and keep it going. But you could tell from the second half, I didn't watch the first half, but watching the second half, watching the way Indiana uh, really, really ran the show and ran the narrative of this ball game was very impressive. And impressive for the standpoint of how the rest of these games went throughout the day, where a lot of it was just blowouts and, and, and chalk winning outside of obviously the Gonzaga game, which I want to get your take on here a little bit, Jonathan. But, but Indiana really – really pushed the narrative as a quote-unquote favorite over a team in Kentucky who all, you can say all you want about them being a younger team and not the team from a year ago, obviously, but, but them being a younger team and a very, you know, still talented team uh, getting more mature as the year went on. They won the SEC uh, conference championship in the tournament and the, the, the conference tournament championship late in the year. That's the sign of a team maturing and getting better and being worthy of a seed that they got, which was the four seed but Indiana came out and played like the Big Ten regular season champions that they were and just really pushed the narrative against Kentucky and dominated late. Again, it was only a six-point victory, but how they won this game and how they really pushed the ball and how they controlled the ball was very impressive. And it looked very, very just like just dominating and how they won this game made it seem like, okay, this team really can make a deep run in the tournament if all goes well and if they can control the ball the way they did today. What did you take from this one, Jonathan? And then obviously, Andrew, you can get to jump in on this. Well, the first thing that jumps out about me about this win is it really is all about the tournament because – you know they they did win the regular season title, but in the, you know in the in the uh, in the Big Ten tournament, obviously Michigan State wins that. They win tough games over Maryland and Purdue in the semifinals and finals. Indiana bows out really early, and everyone says, "Well, what's wrong with them after winning the regular season title?" And no. look where the two yeah. teams are now, <laughs> right? So, you know, yeah. Michigan State's watching Indiana playing the Sweet Sixteen next week. So, um, they they just got Yogi Ferrell did what he always does, you know, and and Absolutely. you know just. Filled the box score. He had four assists, 18 points, you know, six to 13. Got to the line. Uh, I thought Bryant was big for, for Indiana, especially down the stretch in the second half. He, he was a big factor in the paint. He helped them out. Um, Kentucky, I mean, Euless played great again, as he always does. Oh, my 27 God. points, 10 for 20. 
and, and and Murray was great too. But aside from the backcourt with those two guys, those two guys counted for 43 of the 67. Nobody else in double figures. They really didn't get yeah. that much offensively from anybody else, and that was the big problem for Kentucky. Um, this was a good game. It was very competitive, very close. Probably the best game of the day, I, I would think. You know, out of all the games today, Butler Virginia was pretty good too. But this is this was a pretty good game. Um, pretty much lived up to the expectations, up to the hype. I thought the crowd would be a little more into it. They didn't really get much into it in the first half, especially for two long-standing rivals and that are not Blue that far from each other. Yeah, and you know, haven't played. We've talked about having played each other. They're forced to because of the tournament now. Uh, haven't played each other recently in recent years, and uh, in, for for this game to to be what it was with the matchup, you know, I, I thought the fans would would be a lot more into it. They started to get into it down the stretch in the second half like you expect. I thought it was going to be that way from the from the from the opening tip, but it kind of wasn't, which was a little disappointing. But um but yeah, Indiana showed why they can make a run. They they're very capable of beating North Carolina and getting to a final four eventually. Um because of their offense. I mean, the the, the three-point shot even wasn't that good as much as it is for them today. They're only 6 of 21, uh, usually better than that. But even with that, the offensive efficiency was still so good that they were still in the high 40s, 48%, even with shooting poorly from three. And they're able to get to the line and able to get in the paint and still able to score enough from the perimeter. Um, they're just a fun team to watch. Their offense is so fluid. Um, they play as a unit on offense. You know, as someone who watches the Knicks all the time, that's something that, that is a little uh, envious <laughs> of. But, but, uh, but you watch Indiana play, and, you know, you can learn a lot from them uh, in terms of uh, of an offense and the way the way they work as a unit together. And uh, and, and that's why they won this game. And, and they showed the poise and toughness down the stretch because, you know, it was about 50-50, I think, late. And the game could have – gone either way and they went on that that little mini run went up six points and you kind of got the feeling okay they're in good shape but they're not in control yet because Kentucky still has Ulyss and still has Murray and they could come back and 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 they just held them off and they did a good job of it Uh, I think maybe easier than most people would have thought because I think a lot of people thought Kentucky Kentucky was going to win this game you know Simo we had the caller call in on Thursday night show calling about Indiana and asking about their yes. chances. And we yes. gave good reasons. And basically everything I just said was why we thought Indiana could win this game. And that's what they did today. And that's why they won the game. And they're moving to the Sweet 16. Yeah. And Indiana, to me, has all the makings of, of I don't know if it's makings or just feeling of a team that's going to upset their way into a Final Four. Um, yeah. Do you guys agree with that? It's like when you watch them, you no. just kind of get the that that could be a team that's going to the yeah. Final Four. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. definitely worthy of it. They're capable of it, the way they play. I mean, especially defensively, too, which was the thing that was – we know about their offense, but they played defense well enough today, too, against Kentucky. Maybe not against the backcourt of Kentucky because they, they did what they wanted, but overall they did enough defensively. If they could do that against Carolina, yeah, why not? I mean, they're, they've been good enough – all regular season and in this tournament so far to to win the final. The only the only time they haven't showed a Final Four capability was the one game in the Big Ten tournament. Aside from that, all season long they've shown that they're a Final Four caliber team. Caliber team. And I watched every second of that Big Ten tournament game, and honestly, they just looked out of it, and Michigan played their best game of the season. I mean, that that was really it. And, and even like I'm not even. It's weird because I'm not even talking about like ability or like they that you wouldn't you think they could. But I just, they have the feeling. You know, VCU had that feeling, and they're obviously yeah, not quite yeah. the feeling you had. But they just, when you watch them, you're just like, okay, this team's just going to win games somehow and, and maybe go get yeah. themselves a title or a final four trip. I just don't think I, would, I wouldn't favor that. I'd still favor Kansas to win this whole thing. But yeah. 
I, I, I just I love their style of play. They're a fun team to watch. They're a good basketball team, and Tom Crean has this team playing great basketball at a perfect, perfect time of the year. Yeah, I mean this, this pretty much I mean, comes up Indiana right now. Like if if, if you're if, if if you're sleeping on Indiana, you're making a big mistake. Like I, I expect Carolina to win the game next week. I expect Carolina to find a way to beat Indiana just because they're the better team. But if you're sleep, I've been telling people all season this. If you're sleeping on them, you're making a big mistake because they can definitely beat Carolina and they can definitely get to Final Four. Yeah, this was definitely game of the day in college basketball. And like you said, Yogi Ferrell played well, and Tyler Ulis was unbelievable late in the game. And he was the guy who really carried Kentucky late in that game to give them that all that energy they needed to try and keep it in. And he almost single-handedly carried this team to a victory, but not quite enough as Indiana gets to victory, 73-67. to 67. The rest of the games, the five other games rest uh, on the day, uh, I, I personally did not watch them. I, I tuned into another game today, which is an NBA game. We'll get to that in a little bit, but I'll just recap the scores for you. Iowa State beat Little Arkansas Little Rock, 78. Virginia beat Butler. Uh, the chalk, chalk, this was basically the, the last five games were all chalk versus underdogs uh, in this one, as the one played the nine uh, three times today. Uh, and then four versus the 12, and then three versus the 11. Obviously, the big upset in Gonzaga winning 82-59 to 59 over Utah. Huge shocker there for me to see that one. Kansas beating UConn 73-61, Virginia beating Butler 77-69, and North Carolina just beating Providence here about you know, five, ten minutes ago, 85-66. to 66. I wanted to get your take on that one game there, Jonathan, between Gonzaga and Utah. Why did Gonzaga yeah. dominate so much on this game? And then if you feel feel free – to give your opinion on the rest of these games if you'd like to, and uh, I just want to hear what your take was on Gonzaga over Utah, though, because I saw some tweets coming in uh, as I was watching the uh, Spurs and, and Warriors game earlier. I, I saw people talking about how Gonzaga looked so fluid and so good, and I was just like, whoa, I did not expect that coming. That came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? With this game, you kind of had to throw the seeds out the window because Gonzaga, ever since their conference tournament, has been playing well. Um, they, you saw what they did in the, in the, to a Seton Hall team that had been playing well and did and played really well through the Big East tournament. You know, flew out to Denver and and didn't get it done at all. Gonzaga made them look very ordinary. Nothing like Seton Hall looked in the Big East tournament when they won that that conference tournament. And um, with these, you just throw the seeds out the window. I think from from what I saw, I, I don't know. If this was accurate, and I saw a tweet about it, but I, I think it was right that Gonzaga, although they were the 11 seed and Utah was the three seed, they were actually a one and a half point favorite in this game. Uh, yeah. Is what Vegas had them at. So um, that doesn't really shock me at all because this is a game. I actually expected both 11 seeds to find a way to win. I thought Wichita State would not get off to such a bad start, and I thought I thought that one and Gonzaga. I thought they were both going to actually win today. Um, obviously, Miami played a lot better than Utah did, but. Gonzaga neutralized the big man. Uh, Pertle in the middle, he only had five points. He only had four rebounds in 24 minutes. Um, not sure why he didn't play more because he only had two fouls, so he should have played a little more in the 24 minutes. But I think they were just trying to find different combinations because uh, they just couldn't get anything going. You know, they had two guys in double figures. Uh, one guy with 15 led them, and that was it. They couldn't really get much going offensively. You saw Gonzaga shut them down, just 59 points. Uh, total and offensively, they just were doing it. If we're talking about Indiana's uh, fluidity on offense and, and their movement without the ball and with the ball and everything, and Gonzaga took that even to another level. They're 47% from three, 56% overall. Um, four starters in double figures. McClellan was great. Uh, Sabonis was great. 
uh, everybody, you know, Wilcher, everybody who just chipped in. It was just a team effort today, and and they're they're going to be tough to stop. They get their right draw now because um, no matter what happens tomorrow, uh, we're going to see it's guaranteed with their win now that we're going to see a double digit seed out of that region uh, in the Elite Eight because they're going to square off against the winner of Middle Tennessee State and Syracuse. So you're going to see an 11 right. against either 10 or 15 in the Sweet 16, and the winner of that's going to obviously go to the Elite Eight. So, and right now. I, we'll have to see what Middle Tennessee State does tomorrow because they look so good against Michigan State. Can they keep that going? Uh, I don't trust Syracuse to to do it because, like we were saying on the other the other night on the show, you know, although Syracuse Syracuse did play well, and I don't want to take that away from them. Uh, Dayton did miss 14 layups or dunks in that game, so you know I don't think Middle Tennessee State's going to do that. <laughs> so if it, the only question about that is, can Middle Tennessee State? still hit from the outside like they did against Michigan State because I'm not sure they've seen a 2-3 zone like Syracuse is going to throw at them, so that might cause them some problems. But if they can handle that and they play well, uh, we'll see, uh, and we'll see if they can keep it going, and then we'll see how that fares against Gonzaga. But if I had to pick right now, I, I, would, I would put Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. I mean, the way they're playing right now, they're just peaking at the okay. right time. Yeah. Uh, ever since their conference tournament, they're playing great in this tournament. They, they, to me, they've been one of the best teams. I mean, you obviously have to look at Kansas. you got to look at North Carolina. But Oregon so far in the one game they've played, which wasn't really much of a test. But there's a handful of teams that have looked really, really great in a couple games, and Gonzaga is maybe right there with any of them. Yeah, and, and I, I'd say Gonzaga's probably favored, but the, the chaos lover in me is really rooting for Middle Tennessee State to get into that elite. Yeah. I think that would be freaking yeah. awesome. Well, um, I'm I'm but, I'm in a I'm in a knockout pool, and I actually because they won <laughs> the first pick was actually Kentucky. Basically, what you do is you take one team per round, and once you pick them, you, it's kind of a novel idea. I've never done this before, but you take one team uh, per round, and once you pick them, you can't pick them again, and then basically you have to advance to the finals. Now, the finals are broken by a tie, and the ties are based on the number of points added up, and the points come from the seeds. So if you pick Yale as a 12, you get 12 points. If you pick you know Xavier, you only get two points because they're a two seed, right? And then that's where the points come into play at the end. But I actually picked Middle Tennessee State and rolled the dice on them tomorrow only because I want that 15 as a second pick. <laughs> so, so um, yeah. So I so I, yeah. I had his first pick as as Kentucky and then Duke. So I'm alive with that one. The second pick, I I snuck in Xavier just so they could get the win. And the only reason I did that was because I have a good feeling about Middle Tennessee State. To your guys' point, uh, tomorrow I think they're the better team at this moment than Syracuse, even though Syracuse looked good against Dayton. And uh, I'd love to see them win tomorrow. We'll see what happens. And if that happens, if they're playing the way they played against Michigan State, if they play that way again again tomorrow against Syracuse and they come into that game against Gonzaga, that's going to be a great game to watch. And who would have thought that from an 11 against a 15 in the Sweet 16? Right. And, and, and you know, it happens, something similar happens every year. And it's just as amazing every time it happens. That's that's the coolest part about March Madness. But Getting off college real quick, and I don't mean to go off topic, but i got to give a couple shout-outs real quick. First shout-out, Michael Beasley. 30 points yeah. from Mike Beasley tonight. And then my second one, uh, I, I think I think Jesus has walked. I think he has taken the form of Zach Randolph, who dropped a triple-double. And with that, yeah. half of a team at Memphis took out the Los Angeles Clippers. So shout-out to those two guys. How, amazing. Amazing. 
It truly is the dog days of the NBA, and we'll get to that in a moment. But before we do, let's look at tomorrow's games in the world of college basketball. Eight more games, obviously, in the second round. Iowa, Villanova, Stephen F. Austin, Notre Dame, that should be a fun one. VCU, Oklahoma, another outstanding matchup. As we just mentioned, Middle Tennessee, Syracuse, Hawaii, Maryland, that'll also be a fun one. UNI, Texas A&M, that's going to be a fun one as well. Wisconsin, Xavier, look, I think Xavier's going to win by 30. I would not be shocked. Wisconsin can barely get the ball up, and if they have a poor shooting night, they might get absolutely destroyed. And then St. Joe's and Oregon is fascinating from the perspective of, look, can Oregon get past that bubble of actually winning a game against a really good team? I mean, look, they beat Holy Cross, but Oregon is kind of one of those really soft one seeds. Can they overcome a team like St. Joe's who looked really good against Cincinnati? And obviously they won at the buzzer, but they can come in and play Oregon. And if they play their, their, their well-branded basketball, they can win this game. What do, you, what do you guys see for tomorrow? What are you guys excited to see for tomorrow on the final day of the first weekend of the uh, first two rounds of college basketball? Jonathan, go uh, ahead. I'll go ahead. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking to see if we see any more madness because after the first two days, which were completely insane, especially on <laughs> Friday, which was, inc- which was incredible, <laughs> and then today we pretty much went chalk for the most part. And even, even the two games that weren't chalk today – they weren't huge surprises because you had Indiana, Kentucky, which could have gone either way as a five and a four. And like I said, the one upset you had where it was Gonzaga, the 11 over three, they were favored anyway. So really, there weren't a lot of surprises. So I'm interested to see tomorrow. Like you said, can St. Joe's beat Oregon? That's, you know, totally different contrasting styles. So, you, you know, you, you like yeah. to see what happens there. Uh, VCU, Oklahoma, you know, does the three keep falling for Oklahoma? That's when they're at their best. Or or does VCU, you know, with with, with their pressure and, and, and with, with Allie Cox on, on, down in the paint, can, can they give Oklahoma some trouble? Um, does Northern Iowa, you know, how does Northern Iowa respond? Do they have a letdown against a good, solid club like Texas A&M that played really well against Green Bay? Do they have a letdown after winning the way they won in that half-court buzzer beater? Or do they use that to keep riding that kind of wave that they, you know, that, that carried them to that win? So that's interesting to see how they respond to, to a win like that. Um, you know, because obviously you win a game like that the way they won uh, over, over uh, Texas – um, you can you can easily see a letdown against a better team like Texas A&M against that. But so I'm interested to see how they respond. Obviously, we we touched on the Syracuse Middle Tennessee State game. I'm interested to see how that one goes. Um, I, it's a great matchup tomorrow. How does Villanova respond against a team like Iowa? Because Iowa is still a tough team, still a good team. Villanova and Jay Wright, so many times they've underachieved with a high seed in the NCAA tournament. So here they are again, chance to get to a Sweet 16 with a two seed. What do they do? Um, and then you know Stephen F. Austin, can they keep? Uh, can he keep rolling here after they forced all those turnovers and, and really locked down West Virginia defensively? Can they do that to a pretty good offensive team like Notre Dame, or is Notre Dame um, just kind of do to them what what uh, what Iowa State did to Little Rock today? So, um, you know, a lot of good games all over the place, and we'll see how they go. But um, uh, yeah, I think no matter what happens, though, we're going to get some great matchups in the Sweet 16. We already have some that are great that, that we can look forward to. And I think tomorrow is going to produce a lot more. Uh, mark it down right now. You're going to see your first one seed upset tomorrow. St. Joe's is taking out Oregon. Well, yeah, you, I, I actually picked that one. Um, I had them beating UNC Wilmington in the, in the Sweet 16, not Duke. But, but yeah, I actually picked that one, and we'll see. Yeah, I, I, that, that's what I, I – I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just because they're Oregon and you don't – think of them as a basketball school or what, but they just kind of have this feeling to them like they're not that good. Um, and, and I kind of right. feel like they'd have that feeling 
Like I, I'm not saying they're they don't feel like they're not that good for a one seed. They just 12. don't feel like they're that good. Period. Well, I, I thought the same thing about Virginia in that one nine game, and I and Butler for a while looked like they were going to do that, but. Virginia made the plays they had to make. Malcolm Brogdon was unbelievable, especially down the stretch at both ends of the floor, <laughs> offensively and defensively. Did you guys get the same feeling that Butler was going to do the same thing to Virginia that you think St. Joe's might do to Oregon? Uh, yeah, I did. I did. But, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon is a tournament player, man. That's what he is. And he, is. And he, he showed. He's the type of guy who can lead a team to a Final Four. And with the way this bracket's turning out, I'm pretty sure Virginia is going to go to that Final Four. Um, with yeah. I mean, they're going to if they make it to the Elite Eight, they're going to be either playing a 15, an 11, well, or a 10 seed. Yeah, but you know well, what? Throw the seed, soon, throw the seed out with Gonzaga, though. <laughs> throw the seed out with Gonzaga. They're not an 11 seed. If they're, if they're playing, if they're playing Virginia. Yeah, and Iowa State is tough too. Both of those teams. Those are going to be tough matchups. And it actually, for right now, if I, if I had to pick, I'd probably pick. Mm, well, I don't know. <laughs> That's a tough call, but I, I, <laughs> give, I, give Iowa, I, I give Iowa State an edge, maybe slight edge on that one. They're playing pretty well, um, and I, I think Virginia gets tripped up eventually at some point. Yeah, and if Niang plays like he did tonight, then you're – I mean, Iowa State looks really good. But, um, yeah, I, I got I got my first one seed going down tomorrow. I think Wisconsin Xavier is going to be a better game than you think, Chris. But I, the thing about tomorrow, I really think it's, it's just going to be a great basketball game. Um, I think no matter what the seeds are tomorrow, all these games should be close. I mean, you look at the, the furthest two seeds apart, I believe, are um, Northern Iowa, Texas A&M, and VCU and Oklahoma. And both those games, to me, seem like close, close games. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wouldn't even be, yeah. you know, I have Oklahoma winning it all. I wouldn't be surprised if they lose to VCU, though. I mean, I mean VCU was terrific. Um we're going to get to see if, if Mello Trimble doesn't play two good halves, I don't think Maryland wins tomorrow either. Um, so I do think we'll see some madness tomorrow. Um, I'm, I'm rooting so hard for Stephen F. Austin. I want that team to go as far as possible. Hmm. Screw it. They give you the first 14 seed win the whole thing. That's what I'm rooting for. But <laughs> I just, I want, I think they'd actually be the first seed under eight to win the whole thing. But I, I, I am rooting for the underdogs tomorrow. And, I mean, I want Iowa, I want Stephen F. Austin, I want Oklahoma, I want Middle Tennessee, Maryland, Northern Iowa, Wisconsin, and St. Joe's. Tomorrow should be a fun, fun day of college basketball and way better than today um, and way worse than yesterday just because. Well, you got to think, I too. I definitely hope so. You got to think, you know, Thursday was pretty good, but, but Friday was clearly the better day in the, in the, in the first round. Uh, Friday was, you know, we were talking about yesterday. So right. pr- probably was the best yeah. day ever in the tournament for a single day. So you got to think that if, you know, while we saw a lot of chalk and you know not not really any surprises that much today, you got to think that the teams that produced a lot of that drama on Friday, a lot of that is from the teams that won. And if they're playing tomorrow, we should be in store for a good day tomorrow compared to today. Yep. And yesterday, and Friday, as we mentioned, was insane. Today was insane when it came to the, I'd say the early games in college basketball. The first three were pretty good. But the NBA had a game tonight where I, I've, been, I've been hyping it up for the last month and a half. I've been hyping it up since January, basically, because this Golden State Warrior team has proven to us that they're the greatest team to ever start a season, period. I mean, to ever start a season, they're the greatest starting team ever uh, when it comes to, you know, beginning of the year. Uh, they've proven that their tough stretch in January when they got through it, that brutal stretch at the end of January, they got through that unscathed. Uh, they got through a couple of other 
portion of the schedule unscathed. Um, and the only thing really that they've needed to prove to me all year long, the rest of the year up until the end, was this game tonight between the Spurs in San Antonio. They haven't beaten the Spurs in 32 games in San Antonio since 1998. For you young kids out there who, aren't, who are not that old, you've never seen Golden State beat San Antonio in San Antonio, and you still haven't seen it because the Spurs won it tonight. 87 to 79. I did go crazy on Twitter. I was illogical. I was screaming at my TV. It was amazing. At one point in the fourth quarter, and I don't kid you guys this when I say this, this whole game felt like a playoff atmosphere. But there was a point in time when that fourth quarter began where, I don't know, I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about when I say this. For those listening, either the podcast or live, you know exactly what I'm talking about for those of you that know basketball and know playoff basketball. The beginning of that fourth quarter, I was nervous. I had that little twinge that I feel when when my team goes goes deep in the playoffs, and it got quiet in the arena, and the players were kind of nervous, kind of skeptic. I almost felt like I was watching an NBA Finals game. I almost felt like I was watching Game 7 of the NBA Finals for like five minutes. I I was like, whoa, this this is insane. Like, the quality of basketball is there, the matchups, the adjustments, the, you know, Klay Thompson playing in the paint. Since when have we seen Klay Thompson post up a small guard in the paint? I mean, that is playoff stuff. You don't see that in the regular season. And the, the intensity that was being played with, the, 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 the tenseness in the crowd, the, the, it was, this was a game that I've been hyping it up for about a month and a half, and it lived up to all of it. And it wasn't just because the Spurs won. This was an unbelievable game from multiple perspectives. Great team basketball. The Warriors did not shoot the ball well at all. 79 points is an obvious indicator of that. They did not shoot the ball well. Curry played horrible. Uh, Clay Thompson did not play well. They did not shoot well from three tonight. The Golden State, but they played well enough on defense to keep it a ball game. That's the that's the mannerisms of a championship ball club. The Spurs also showed the same mannerisms. Granted, they were at home. Now, as a Spurs fan, obviously being super pumped about this game, getting the victory, and now only three games back of the Warriors, I'm excited. But from an objectable perspective. The Warriors also, I mean, and, and, and I'm not going to use this excuse for anyone at this point in time of the year because it's no excuse. They weren't just tired. Look, everyone's tired at this point in time of the year. You're, you're 69, 70 games into a season. I don't care who you are. It's like in baseball when everyone's like, oh, they're tired, and it's like August. Yeah, it's the dog days of the NBA. Everyone's tired. You're going to see inconsistencies. You're going to see off nights. You're going to see guys like Zach Randolph go for a triple-double. I guarantee you the next, day, the next game Zach Randolph plays is going to go for like eight and five. He's not going to do anything. It's a crazy time in the NBA. You're going to see things like this happen. They do. And, and you saw that happen, but they were undermanned. Andrew Bogut didn't play. Andre Iguodala played. You saw a guy in, in McAdoo play who made one crazy dunk today that I saw. Um, and obviously, Draymond Green had a huge dunk. But you saw some of that. But they, they did not play well when they were undermanned, which the Spurs, and granted, the Spurs were undermanned too. Tim Duncan didn't start. Obviously, because the matchup in the in the lineup situation is in the switch and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, there was some gamesmanship and uh, and some chess pieces being moved around. And Tim Duncan, but he only played like six minutes, and he realistically he was not a factor in this game at all. I mean, late in the game, Tim Duncan didn't play. He did not play a minute in the second half. So when the game was decided, when the game was tied going into the third, into the fourth, Tim Duncan wasn't on the floor. So if you take out Andrew Bullock and you, and you put in Tim Duncan, maybe it's a wash. Maybe Bogut's a little bit better physically down low. It changes it up. But at the end of the day, the Spurs still are 33, 33 games in a row beating the Golden State Warriors in San Antonio. And it's fascinating. Look, and I know, and I know we're, we've been on the, on the radio now for about almost an hour. 
and we've been talking about, you know, all college basketball now you'd be able to it's fascinating to me on social media and I know this is the thing, but hearing it through the television set, hearing it on social media, hearing it on and maybe it's because I'm a Spurs fan. I'll I will be the first to admit that. Maybe it's because I'm a Spurs fan, but this Spurs team is only three games back of the Warriors. They're right there. They're in the shadow of the Warriors. And everyone makes it seem like the Golden State Warriors are literally the greatest thing they've ever seen. When it's like the, the, the Spurs are 59 and 10. 59 and 10. And it's like everyone looks at them as like, oh, there's, the Warriors are light years ahead of the Spurs. No, they're not. They're really not. The Spurs have just been in their shadow all year. And it, it reminds me a lot of what the Grizzlies did last year. And they were the two seed in the West all year until the very end, and then they kind of fell off because the West was crazy last year. But that's kind of how I feel like with the Grizzlies. Like, I feel like we're the Grizzlies this year. And we beat the Warriors, and, and then the next thing I see in the fourth quarter when the Warriors are starting to lose, I start seeing this, oh, well, uh, you know, they were, they were hurt. Uh, they, they're tired. Uh, they're this. They're I'm like, no, nah, man. Like, the Spurs have done the same thing. And Andrew brought up a great point to me. Um, over the last, uh, I think it was like within the last couple of days, he brought up a fantastic point. Look, if the San Antonio Spurs played 100% every single night like the Golden State Warriors did, which, as we all know, for the last 15 to 20 years that this, actually, no, the last 15, 10 years, this Spurs team has been associated with their older players and Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker and Yachty, you run down the list of players that they've had over the years, Bruce Bowen, you run them down the list, if they played 100% every single night, which we know they don't because Greg Popovich will rest guys just because they're quote-unquote old or because they're not going to travel with the team or because of this or for just, just minor, minute reasons, if they played 100% every night, I can guarantee you that this team would have three, maybe four more wins under their belt, and then people will be talking about them as being the greatest team during the regular season. But everyone wants to talk about the Golden State Warriors because they started 28 or 27 or whatever, whatever they did. They had 28-0 winning streak. They started the season 24-0. Everyone wants to talk about that. Everyone wants to talk about what they're doing. And I will not deny that. It's unbelievable. 62-7 and seven is, is, is literally laughable. Like, I, I can't – I almost have to laugh when I see that record. But I almost <laughs> have to laugh when I see the Spurs record. As a Spurs fan, watching this team, and I've said this before and I'm going to say it again, I've been watching this team since I was – 10, 11 years old, since I can remember, really. Because before then, I can't really remember much. I've been a Vikings fan since I was nine. I'm a, I have a weird fan base uh, uh, pyramid. It's crazy. But I can't really remember what happened when I was nine years old as a sports fan. I'm 25. But I can remember when I started watching the Spurs a lot. And this team, since I've been watching them since the 2099, 98 time when they won their, cha- their first championship, I can't remember there being a better Spurs team. Really, the, the roles are perfectly defined. The, the, the bench, when they come in, they know exactly what they need to do. Boris Diaw is a perfect stretch four. Like, he's not great. He's not amazing. He's not, he's not legendary. But off the bench, he gives you a perfect stretch four, a guy who can break you down low. He's finesse. He does it. LaMarcus Aldridge tonight. And, and, and Andrew sent me a great tweet. He said, this is the LaMarcus Aldridge I love. This is what I want. I didn't know LaMarcus Aldridge had that game. He was physical tonight. That guy was a physical, imposing threat. Now, if Andrew Bogut was in the game, obviously, but it would have changed. But 26-13, and 13, the guy was shooting the ball out of the gym. It was, I'm telling you, this team and how they've been playing over the last couple of weeks, and we mentioned it with Gonzaga and Indiana and college basketball, 
But how I feel with how the Spurs have been playing, they have beaten the Clippers, they have beaten the 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 the, uh, the Thunder, and now they've beaten the Warriors all in a week span, and they have dominated each of their opponent. And I think it's a combined like thirty like thirty nine points that they've beaten all these teams now over the last week. Now, granted, they're all at home, but it is it is the best Spurs team. I have ever seen, and it's from the standpoint of roles being defined. And I said this before the game, before I let you guys talk. Before Andrew, you talk first, and then I'll let Jonathan talk. This, this, these two teams, and and I and I go back to the object, objectivity. These two teams, the Spurs and the Warriors, have both figured out basketball. They have, they really have. The Spurs have the roles, they have the starting rotation, they have the coaches, they have the personnel, they have it all. They can do it all. The Warriors shoot from outside, they can go inside. And today when they adjusted to the Spurs game plan, when they weren't playing well from the outside, they adjusted and, manif- and found a way to play the defense to match with the Spurs when they were undermanned. You've got to give the credit to the Golden State Warriors from that perspective. And the Spurs, they just keep doing it, and they've been doing it for 20 years. It's unbelievable. Go ahead and talk, Andrew. You go first. Yes, Steph Curry. You're fired. 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 You know, I, I got to be honest with you guys. I instantly regret playing that because hearing Trump's voice <laughs> makes me shiver. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, that was. And I'm just, I'm just gonna go, go ahead and say that was one of the worst performances I've ever seen. Steph Curry, not only did you take 12 threes while only making one, you, you took, yeah, that's it. I mean, you kept taking them. What? You know, you make one out of 10, don't take an 11. You make one out of 11, don't take a 12. I mean, it's it's very simple in my mind. If you're not making your shots, yeah. don't take them. Set up your teammates. Do the right thing. And and it's not like he didn't make his shots and tried to impact the game in other ways. He didn't right. make his shots and quit on the game. He completely quit on this basketball game. His body language was was, was terrible. He was tur- he was how many turnovers he had? He only had two turnovers, but it felt like a ton more. He was making bad decisions. He's not catching the yeah. ball. He gave up on his teammates, and he cost the Golden State Warriors a, 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 a monumental win, a win that says we're the greatest team of all time. Don't even argue it. And and he cost them that win completely. Him and Clay Thompson combined for one for nineteen, two for nineteen from three point. That's insane. Two for freaking nineteen. That's like twelve percent. And and I don't want to hear this nonsense of oh Steph just had an off night. Steph got shut down. Right. That was that was Michael Jordan playing the bad boys. Okay. That was Steph getting lit up. Steph having no chance to shoot the ball. And when he did, it was an idiotic shot. Even the one he made was stupid. I mean. And there's no, not yeah. really such thing as a stupid shot for Steph Curry. But when you're one for eight at the time, it's or zero oh for eight at the time, it's stupid. So good job, Steph Curry. You got outplayed by Brandon freaking Rush today. Um, the Spurs, uh, dude, that that was unbelievable. And you know what they're gonna do now? Yes. The next two games against the Warriors. They are sitting there, players. Nobody's yes, playing. Yes, they are. Now, do, you, do you think that even if the Warriors are a threat to tie the record or break the record of the Bulls, do you think that Pop will still do that? Yeah, no chance. Dude, Pop, I mean, he's yeah. 
I, I like, agree. I don't know. You kind of saw him lose his thing, like, when uh, Paul George was about to break the record in the All-Star game. He said, no way. But, like, at the same time, I think Pop's going to sit down. I think it'll be a hard decision, but I think he's going to sit down and he's going to say, I have more than what I showed them that game. Do I want to kind of show them a little bit more, or do I want to win in a, in a, in a seven-game series or, do I, you know, in the Western Conference Finals? Um, you know, if they cut it down to a two-game lead, like if they go undefeated until the next game, which I believe is like Wednesday, right? Yeah, something like that. Okay, maybe the last game then. If if they cut it down to like a, a two-game lead by the last game or, or a one-game lead by the last game, then it's then maybe not. But I, I don't think he's focused on that 72-10 that and 10 record. I think if, if he's got a chance to get the one seed, then sure. But – but if it's not, if he's out of it, and, and if Golden State, if they have nine losses, maybe I don't know. I don't know. I'm losing my mind over this. Steph choked anyway. Choke is getting thrown out there because he choked. Um, he he yeah. played like garbage. Um, and, and Greg Popovich just showed you why he is the greatest coach to ever step foot on a basketball court, bar none. No Phil Jackson, no Pat Riley. Greg Popovich is the goat of basketball coaches. Yeah. Go for it, Jonathan. Well, strong words. I mean, it's it's debatable, but uh, he's he's certainly up there. Um, th- this loss, if you look at their previous six losses, every loss that the Warriors had this year was either uh, – and this is why I always say that the only team until tonight, the only team that could beat the Warriors this year was the Warriors <laughs> because every loss they had before tonight was either to a team that they probably should have beat, a team that maybe wasn't that great, or – by a huge margin, right? So it was a night where they just decided, okay, we're just not – and most of the time, to their credit, they do. They're focused, they're professional, night in and night out. But there's a, there were a few times, a handful of times this year, six times to be exact, where they just didn't show up that night. You know, Portland is not 32 points better than Golden State, right, even in Portland. But Golden State didn't show up. They didn't come to play that night. And it was the first game after the All-Star break. You know, Milwaukee's not better than Golden State. Detroit's not better than Golden State. These are the teams that they've lost to, either either good teams like a Portland, but where it was a huge margin and they just didn't show up, or bad teams like the Lakers, where they sh- a team they should never lose to. So this was the first time where a good team actually beat the Warriors rather than the Warriors beating the Warriors. And right. I was actually, no. before, yeah, before tonight, I was actually at Curry's worst shooting game of the year. He was actually, of all places, go figure this, it was at the Garden <laughs> against the Knicks, right? And right. he was 5 for 17 that night, almost the same that he was tonight, 4 for 18. Uh, this actually eclipsed it, uh, you know, by one, uh, by one more miss and, and one more attempt. Uh, he, he was 5 for 17 that game. The difference was Clay Thompson was on fire. Everybody else outplayed him. It was the Knicks, and the Warriors won in a blowout. They won easily. You know, so yep. it was. It was it didn't matter that Curry had the worst shooting game of, of the season because everybody else for the Warriors stepped up, especially Clay. The difference tonight was this game, and I know a lot of people are not going to pro- probably didn't like this because they were probably expecting more offense and probably expecting more back and forth, or whatever. Oh, I thought it was unbelievable. Great. I mean, for, oh my it, god, I, this is not something I expected. I expected to see a game, you know. 100 to 98, something, somewhere in there. Where was a good mix of offense, good mix of defense, but the offense was clicking. Yeah, this was all defense. Who, expe- who expected tonight an 87-79 game between these two? You know, I, I certainly didn't. 65 going into the fourth. It was exactly. I don't. I don't think anybody expected that. I I thought it was great because that's an indication yeah. 
that this game was played with the defense, with the intensity, the passion, yeah. everything that you'd want from a playoff type of game. This, this game was played with intensity and the defense that this game deserved. And that's not something why, that I expect. Yeah. So this I thought from... A, from yeah, yeah, go ahead. Keep going, John. Well, well I, was I was just going to say, say like, just... you know... Okay, okay, okay. You keep going. <laughs> <laughs> the the laser, so for... This is hard. You know, when you're not, when you're not in the same room, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I was going to say is watching this game, look, we talked about Friday, the, the games the games on Friday for NCAA basketball. We talked about the intensity and the and, 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 the, and just the, the pure passion and the pure love, just all the greatness that college the tournament brings and obviously college basketball brings. And, and this game tonight in the NBA, I mean, uh, again, I keep kind of reverberating back to my youth, but I'm telling you, man, when I watched this game, I felt like I was watching the mid-2000s. Like the, the, amount of ta- the amount of intensity, the defensive pressure that was put on Steph. And, look, I agree with you. Andrew, from the standpoint of Steph Curry taking just dumb, really dumb shots late in the game. And here's the other thing that's fascinating. This is, this, oh, man, it's so fascinating from a media perspective. Look, I'm just going to get into my homer mode for just a second. I, it fascinates me from the standpoint of, look, Stephen Curry, everyone's saying, oh, he's the automatic MVP. Hold on a minute. Did you watch Kawhi Leonard today? Did you watch him? This guy has improved. I'm telling you, I came into this season – and I was like, okay, Kawhi Leonard is a, you know, great defender. He can defend pretty much every position on the floor to a very good degree. He can stop LeBron on sometimes, but for the most part, LeBron still has him. He's okay. You know, he's okay off the dribble. He can shoot the three, a, 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 you know, a setup three. He can do that. This year, I'm seeing him come off the dribble, blow past defenders. I'm seeing him make moves at the rim, extra effort plays, take Duncan, run the fast break. I am seeing this guy completely change his game. It is unbelievable how this guy is evolving over time. Is he as good as LeBron? Never. He never will be. He never will ever step in the same category as LeBron when it comes to greatness. But when it comes to his ability to play the game of basketball from a team perspective and, 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 and elevate everyone else around him, he's starting to do that. And it's scary because he's still a baby. Like, he's not even in his prime yet, and he's still a baby. And then you got guys, like, off the bench who are playing the way they're playing and elevating the game. And we talk about how Steph Curry is – and I get back to my point when it comes to Steph Curry. He's like – people are like, oh, he's the automatic MVP. I didn't see him start the fourth quarter. I saw him sitting on the bench with Draymond Green biting his fingernails in the first four minutes of the fourth quarter. Since when does an MVP in the NBA sit on the bench at the beginning of the fourth quarter biting their fingernails on the road in a big-time game where the two best teams in all of basketball are duking it out in an intense on-the-road pass? I've never seen that. And you're going to automatically guarantee him as the MVP in the league? Get out of here. If this was LeBron James from three years ago in 2012-2013, you better believe he's out there with the intensity that we've seen LeBron James have in a long winning streak, or trying to just do the best he can in the East Coast, which you guys can talk about that here in a little bit, because I know you got something to say about that Cleveland game. But anyway, I want to get back to my point. Steph Curry, like he's sitting on the bench with five minutes, you know, five minutes in the first five minutes of the quarter, and it's it is a it's 
67, 67, 69, 60. It, it, it's going back and forth, and the crowd is intense. The crowd is tense. The, the starters are on the on the court. It is so odd to then hear guys, you know, on the you know on the broadcast on ABC, like, oh yeah, Steph Curry's automatic MVP. I'm like, are you are you nuts? If you wanna if you wanna get the greatest record of all time, and you're trying to do it through this gauntlet of the San Antonio Spurs, and then ultimately win a game that is very important for the league from the standpoint of look, yeah. They're 62-6 and six heading in. There's, they could be 63-6 and six heading out. If they win this game on the road against the Spurs, me as a Spurs fan, people out there who are watching this game understanding that the Spurs are also 58-10, and 59-10 now, understanding that, watching that, and if they get that win on, in San Antonio the first time in almost 20 years with the record that they have, how, that is the moment where you're like, that is, that is the moment where you say he is the clear-cut no debate MVP. Now don't now don't get me wrong. He had a horrible night. He choked. He absolutely was horrific in this game. And Andrew brought the perfect point. Why do you shoot another three? The only three you made in the game was when Lamarcus Aldridge literally jumped down your throat and said, "Hey, how about you give me an extra life?" Like literally, like like Lamarcus Aldridge's hand was inside Steph Curry's eyeball, and he made a three. That was the only shot he made from three. Outside of that, he wasn't saying anything. They were picking him up from sixty feet away from the basket, and he couldn't do jack. So from that perspective, it's like Steph made, made some pretty poor IQ shots. But from the standpoint of him not being in the ballgame with the first five minutes of the fourth quarter, I get that they're trying to get him some rest. I get that. But at the same time, where's that killer mentality from my MVP? Come on now. Kawhi Leonard was in the game at every single crucial moment that they needed to win the game. But when Steph Curry wasn't on the floor, it was just like, oh, whatever. It's like that's the one part I think when people talk about the NBA and college basketball, when they, when they start talking about, oh, college basketball is better because people care, I think what they refer to is moments like that. When you have your MVP, granted, struggling, but you have your MVP of the league in a big showcase game on ABC, sitting on the bench, biting his fingernails in a tie ball game when you have the two of the best teams ever that we've probably ever seen in one game. And he's just sitting there, just hanging out. It, 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 that part doesn't make sense to me when he's automatically guaranteed as an MVP. And I, I think he's going to win MVP just because of that. But if you still had me vote for an MVP this year, I'm probably voting LeBron. I'm probably voting Kawhi Leonard. I'm probably voting Steph. I'm, I'll shoot, I'm probably voting Russ Westbrook. He got his 13th, 14th triple-double tonight. I mean, you're talking about so much talent in the NBA, and a guy like Steph Curry who just automatically be giving it to him when in the final five minutes of a ball game, he, he, or excuse me, the first five minutes of the crucial part of the ball game is sitting on the bench. It, it, that doesn't that doesn't insinuate with me. I, I don't I don't get that mentality. But guys, NBA, if you want to respond to me, feel free to do so. If you want to talk about the rest of the NBA, please do so. Andrew, you go first, and then Jonathan jump in, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. Yeah, uh, just happy to see the Warriors lose because I hate them, plain and simple. <laughs> um, I hate them. Um, they're annoying. They they remind me of like the kid who used to tell on you in elementary school all the time, like you would say, like, dang it, and he'd go tell your teacher that he swore. Um, that's what the Warriors remind me of. I don't know why that's my, like, comparison, but that's how much I hate them. Um, I love basketball. I love March Madness. Go follow us Go follow us all on Twitter, at CMOBuckets253, at TalkBballNow, at Jonathan J. Wagner, and it's Jonathan, just J-O-N. Uh, go on YouTube, uh Subscribe, just type in the Hooper's log, you got it. Uh, we're also going to be doing a Sweet 16 bracket that we can do on ESPN. When that's all set up, we'll get it set up tomorrow. Also, we are in the beginning stages, finally, of 
thehoopersblog.com. So make sure you're ready for it. Um, make sure once it's up, you're still listening. You go check it out. Other than that, as I say every time, peace and go on, Jonathan. Well, one one thing before we go, I got to mention, and I, I, this is something that uh, I, I'm surprised I really didn't hear anything. It's, it's kind of a, aside from uh, everything with the Spurs and Warriors, and, and aside from the tournament, but kind of related to the tournament in Kentucky playing as well. Uh, that we didn't sure. hear about because Saturday happened to be the 50th anniversary of a very, very important college basketball game, Texas Western beating Kentucky. And it, it was yes. kind of like, yes. it's kind of like it's Jackie Robinson. It's kind of like college basketball's version of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier, yes. you know, and changed the face of college basketball forever. Yesterday yes. was, unless I missed it, I didn't see CBS say one thing about it during the Kentucky game, during any of the coverage during the tournament, which if that's the case is just, Pretty shocking because yesterday was the 50th anniversary, Stop March 19, 1966, when Western, when Texas Western beat beat Kentucky, especially with debated. Kentucky playing yesterday on that date against Indiana in a, in a classic matchup. Uh, for them not to mention anything about it, unless I missed it, I didn't. Then I watched the whole tournament today. Um, I didn't see anything about it. Didn't really see much about it on Twitter. Um, just shocked that people don't know the history and don't recognize a moment like that. We're talking about a right. 50th anniversary of a momentous point in college basketball during the NCAA tournament with one of the teams playing in that game, playing today, and and which happens and go, to be one of the great programs of all time. And going into an entertainment perspective, like you just said, we got one of the greatest TV shows on right now in all of, I think, TV history with the people versus O.J. Simpson. I don't know about you guys. I've been watching that, and this is no plug oh, for man. Fox or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, as I'm, me and my girlfriend are currently watching it, it is riveting. It is set up beautifully. The casting is unbelievable. Everything you hear about the show is true. The, the guy who plays Johnny Cochran is flat-out amazing. I have had goosebumps watching it. And that whole thing, that whole thing about the O.J. Simpson trial was about race. And that is the riveting thing on TV right now when it comes to entertainment and, and, and basic you know, uh, program watching. And that is a racial conversation, and you mentioned it yourself. There's no conversation about that team that, that, the, the, that played Kentucky and beat Kentucky over 50 years ago when, like you said, it revolutionized college sports. It didn't just revolutionize, you know, uh, you know college basketball or college football or college – no, it revolutionized college sports because no one yeah. thought that an all-starting five black, black team could do what they did at that time with the Civil – civil rights going on and all that kind of stuff happening. It is a shame. And I never saw it either. I watched the whole second half of Indiana, Kentucky. Now, again, unless you were right, unless they promoted it somehow and talked about it in the pregame or early in the morning before all the games started, then sure, maybe we missed it ourselves. But to not really heavily have that as yeah. a big con- – we, we have this thing every single year about Jackie Robinson, April 15th, 1942, right. or whatever, you know, whatever year it was. Every single year since 97, we've done a Jackie Robinson Day. And for some reason, we don't do this about this the Texas Western, correct? I'm, a, I'm sorry if I don't remember the name. Is it Texas Western? Yep, yep. And you know what? That, they should have had a decal yep. of that moment and that date on the court today for Indiana, Indiana yep. Kentucky. And then the announcers, they should have showed a close-up of it, and the announcers should have talked about it during the game, on the game, and in the studio. None of that took place, obviously. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure everybody's as aware of that as they should be. Um, I didn't know about it until I was probably uh, 13 years old, and we actually watched 
Um, and we actually watched Road to Glory, the movie made about that in in yes. school. And I, I became obsessed with it, learned everything about it, but I don't think that's uh, advertised or, or taught enough of how important that was to not only not only college basketball but all the sports because um, everybody – I don't think it was that nobody knew they could do that. I think it's that all the white people were just scared because they, they did know right. that's exactly yeah. what would happen. Um, if, you, if you don't know about it, go read, go watch Road to Glory. Yes. It's it's one of the most amazing things in all of sports. It really is. It's fascinating and for like like you know, that was a fantastic thing to bring up, Jonathan. Uh here late on the uh on the on the ni- episode ninety seven of the Hoopers Log through CLNS Radio in the Sea Geek Studios. Uh my name is Simo Buckets and that is a fantastic thing to bring up because again, uh as we know in the world of college basketball and not just the world of college basketball but in the world and in the, in the rules of the world and where we live and in our country and where we're at in our country when it comes to civil rights and obviously human rights, uh, when it comes to, you know, the whole gay marriage thing going on, obviously uh, the circumstances going on with all these other things outside of the world of basketball, we, we don't get into that because we're just a basketball program, but that is a part of the game. And for that not to be advertised during March Madness and how unbelievable March Madness has been these first two, three days, especially the first two days, um, yeah, I feel like that is this is the perfect time to promote something like that, especially through the good old boy network of CBS and these other networks like ABC and things like that. I feel like it is a uh, it is it, 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 it takes away from a, a situation that could be a learning circumstance because you know if if there was any time to do it, it would be now, and it, it's a shame that it isn't. And uh, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially like, just because Saturday was the 50th anniversary, too. It's not like we're just picking a random what? date here. You know, this was actually yeah. March 19th, 1966. We're obviously March 19th, 2016, when Kentucky played Indiana yesterday. So I guess at this point, it's yesterday here, Eastern time. So, um, yeah, just mind-boggling that CBS just, unless, again, unless I missed it and I didn't see it and I watched the whole tournament. Right. Just unfathomable that they wouldn't even mention something like that. But yeah, it's a fascinating you know, thing. I don't so want again, to make too like, much of like, it, you know. Like like Andrew said, like uh, like um, like Jonathan said, go research, go check it out, please, because it is a, again, it is a really, I mean, it is it is on par with Jackie Robinson. It is on par with these other uh, African American, not just African American, but other uh, racial uh, circumstances and sports that have broken the cup. You know, Joe Lewis. Go watch the movie Race if you want to go watch. Uh, a movie that was spine tingling and, and blew your socks off. Uh, go watch the movie Race that came out in theaters about a month ago. I saw it in theaters. Uh, for people that don't understand sports, for him going over to Germany and winning the medals that he did, it, uh, that was uh, that was more of a life or death, unbelievable, you know, story from that perspective of a black man going over to to Germany and changing really the entire world's perspective that a black man can running a country without being, you know, <laughs> killed, basically. Uh, it, unbelievable stuff there. And for that not to be promoted is, uh, is quite frankly, a shame. So uh, we're, we're out of here on the Hooper's Log. we got about a minute left on the show. Episode 97 in the books. Again, day three of the tournament in the books. Day four will be tomorrow. We will do one more show tomorrow, a midnight show tomorrow. There will be no show in the morning on Monday or in the afternoon on Monday. No show in the afternoon on Monday. We're going to be burnt out by then. Believe me, it'll happen. Uh, we're not going to be on, uh, but we will be back on Tuesday. Tomorrow, midnight, we'll be on tomorrow midnight to wrap up the entire week. 
weekend of college basketball. It should be a quick one, should be a good one, and if we have classics, we'll bring them to you, and we'll talk to them about it for you. Thank you again for listening, everybody. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Andrew, anything else you want to say before you get out of here? He's already out of here. All right. <laughs> we'll be, well, I guess, he's, I guess he's gone. He's gone. All right. Jonathan, thanks for talking to us, buddy. Have a good All one. All right. Let's get back to the madness again tomorrow. <laughs> Have a good one. Absolutely. We'll be back. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Have a good one, everybody. All right.